Winston. Tell them. Tell them all. Whoever comes, whoever it is, I'll kill them. I'll kill them all. Of course you will. Welcome, everybody, to the Monthly Movie Dispatch. Every month we get together, we discuss our favorite new movie we saw last month. We pick a new favorite and answer questions about it. What separates us from the other 100,000 movie-related shows is that we're high school friends, we've been talking movies for 15 years, and we'd be doing it even if no one was listening. I'm here today with Brandon Bowlby. Hey, guys. Uh, Derek Deal. Hi. And Sean Bowlby. That's me. You know, one of these days I'm going to really come up with official nicknames for you guys. Um, I chickened out this time. I chickened out. <laughs> but That's next time, maybe, we'll have nicknames for you. So, uh, how are you guys doing today? Really good. Doing good. Cool, cool. So, we're we're closing up May right now. It's been a pretty, pretty exciting month for movies for me. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I thought May was pretty great. Um, I used my AMC Stubbs A-list probably six, seven <clears throat> times, I think. Um, I saw Dang. I saw Avengers again. So, um, you know, that's that's doing real good. Do you guys have any notable uh, notable things that um, you want to say before we get started? Mm, I feel like I'm finally getting back into watching a, a good handful of movies again. After binging too hard at the end of last year, I took like a two month break or something. Yeah. And yeah, this last month, last month I've been going strong. Burnt out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You also went to London, right? Yeah. You watch anything Insane on the airplanes? Movies. Um, fuck. What did I? Oh, the kid who would be king. I watched. Oh, oh how was it's it? A great kids movie. Really yeah. solid. Um, yeah, super legit film. For a the, seven, eight-year-old, for sure. For an eight-year-old. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a follow-up um, from the director of Attack the Block. It's like the first movie he's oh, done since no then. Shit. Which I never yeah. saw. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. Oh. No. I should go back. Yeah. Never seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a, just a little monster movie, but it's. Um, I think it's John Boyega's like first role. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah. I never attacked the block. It's cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, um, before we get started on reviews, I think it'd be really cool and worthwhile to just do a brief uh, summer movie wager update, just to fill in those of you who don't listen consistently. In our last episode, we broke down our summer movie wager, um, our picks um, for for this summer. Which uh, are looking good. So this last, uh, and we have a, we all picked Avengers at number one, which that's going strong. That's made eight hundred million so far. It looks like it's probably going to pass Avatar. I mean, what do you guys think? You think it's going to pass Avatar? I would yeah. imagine it will. by next weekend for sure. <clears throat> what I don't know about next weekend, but worldwide. I think, yeah, I mean that's ninety. They'd have to make ninety million dollars this week. I don't think they mm. did that last week. Oh, but mm. but. I think like really soon within the next couple weeks and even if it starts to fade out I bet they just leave it in just until it passes it's like it's not going to take that long and people are still it's still made in the top three this weekend so yeah so the other movies that came out this last month were 
you know, we all, the, at least the ones that we had on our lists that are notable, um, Detective Pikachu came out. Uh, that made, that's sitting right now at $121 million, which is decent, but not great. So mm-hmm. people like me are not looking so good with that one. Um, yeah, um, I... Yeah. I Am I looking th- the best with that one? Yeah, with Dark Heart or with the Dark Horse? Dark Heart. It's right around Dark Horse territory. <clears throat> one twenty. I bet it's. I'm kind of liking my spot. I think Number it's eight. still going to make the top ten. I just think I have it too high. Yeah, I don't know about exactly which points yet, but what I do know is that um, Aladdin is already ahead of it. Aladdin made 128 million dollars already just in one week. So Aladdin. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty happy good. with my Aladdin choice. I had it the highest of all you guys, so I think I'm yeah, pretty safe had, there. You had it at number five. Sean yep. had it at number six, and Derek had it at number six. I had it at number eight. So, um, so far it's not looking good for me this summer, guys. <laughs> I'm still I'm still looking at Rocket Man as my uh, big screw up pick. Um, you know, I was listening to the Slash Filmcast uh, while painting my parents' house, and um, Dave Chen was like, so I just found out that Rocket Man is rated R, so that's not good for me, and that was also when I found out that Rocket Man was rated R. And <laughs> Are we thinking John Wick is going to crack number 10? It, it looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's already it's already made, yeah, it's already made 110. People are seeing it. It's got good word of mouth. Yeah. Thinking so, Derek's going to pick up some good points with his John Wick 3 and Detective Pikachu placement. Yeah. So Hope those so. are, yeah, those are some, those are some, uh, you know, those are some things that are, that are happening. I mean, we got a few big ones coming up still. I mean, we're going to see Godzilla come out this next weekend and then the Secret Life of Pets 2 and Dark Phoenix came out the same weekend. Men in Black. You know the the big kind of determining factor is going to be Toy Story four versus The Lion King. Well, that's the make or break for Brandon a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Toy Story four and Lion King oh, fight. Yeah, I'm going to take Lion if it's King my way. Two. I'm going to take so oh much points gosh. landing two in a row. Right, but you know, really, the bottom of the <laughs> list is really where it's going to shake out. I think for a lot of us with you know Men in Black International and. And Godzilla, I mean, really, Godzilla is a big wild card here. Like, I don't have Godzilla on my list, and you guys mm. all do. So, right. I mean, like, Godzilla could bomb. We don't know. That's yeah. why I'm, uh, you know, I hate I hate rooting for a movie to do poorly, but <laughs> I hope it does poorly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's exciting. Um, you know, basically, for me, I... I, I think I have a pretty far shot of winning, but you know I'm rooting for anyone other than Brandon at this point. So, <laughs> oh my god! I just I just want to see what type of movie anyone else would choose if they won. You know, like if Derek chooses, like it could be anything. It could be a comedy. It could be a horror movie. You know, if Sean if Sean wins, it'll probably be an Akira Kurosawa movie. You know that that's exciting, <laughs> but. You know. It sounds like I'm going to have to make you guys watch Beast of No Nation. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah, me too. I, I've so seen heavy. that one, so would I have to watch oh. it again? 
But anyway, um, <laughs> this is really fun. I'm really excited about it. But um, yeah, John we have Wick. A lot of summer left. Yeah, we have a lot of summer left. Really, there's no point in saying who's mm-hmm. in the front in the lead right now. But I mean, but Derek's in the lead. Right now. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot to be determined. Um, also, there is someone on the Slash Filmcast leaderboard who has like 45 points, but all of their picks are just for the month of May. So <laughs> the rest of their summer doesn't look so great. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, we have uh, we have four, we have three really good movies to talk to you guys about this month. We are going to do three. We have three recommendations. Um, I'm excited about all of them. I've seen. I actually didn't pick any of these. I've got a little game for us later on, but I thought all three of these movies are great. So I'm excited about getting started on it. Um, we've got Sean's movie up first. Sean, do you want to introduce your movie? Um, yeah, so the movie I really wanted to talk to you guys about is uh, the movie Long Shot. Is the Secretary of State looking at us? I kind of know her. It's like kind of knowing a mermaid. Do you tell people that? She probably doesn't remember who I am. Secretary Field would like to speak with you. With me? I can't shake this feeling that we know each other. We do. We do? Picture me, I guess, maybe like 20 years younger, but like this. Florsky? Yeah! What are you doing these days? I'm a journalist. You're a great writer. But sometimes you're a little too much. I don't think I am too much. I actually think I'm the perfect right portion. It's really nice to see you again. Okay! Crack it down! I'm okay! Do boys you just call me a cracker? So Long Shot is a movie starring Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen, uh, directed by Jonathan Levine. Uh, the IMDb summary is journal- journalist Fred Flarsky reunites with his childhood crush, Charlotte Field, now one of the most influential women in the world. As she prepares to make a run for presidency, Charlotte hires Fred as her speechwriter and sparks fly. Um, so the thing, the, the one word that I would use to describe this movie is that it is just delightful um, on every level. Um, it's just such a fun movie to watch, uh, throughout its entirety. Uh, the chemistry between the two main characters, Charlize Theron and, and, uh, Seth Rogen is palpable and you just, you totally believe that these two characters are falling in love. Um, it's, you have such a, a great time being with these two characters as they kind of reunite and, um, and I, I guess fall in love with each other. Um, it's it, it, the, the, the scenes that they share together are um, so sweet and honest. And it, it's kind of surprising because they don't really seem like they, um, they would have, or at least me going into it, it didn't, they didn't seem like the two actors that would have really good chemistry to get back together, but it works so well um, on so many levels. And it, it, um, they do such a great job of being able to pull such great comedy out of these very touching moments. Um, and, and there's so much creativity to their, the characterization of, of these two people. And, um, it just like, it was just delightful. The, the, it didn't ever get fall into the trap that a lot of romantic comedies fall into of, of, um, kind of nonsensical drama. Um, and it just like, uh, to me, the, it just worked on on so many levels, um, and I just, yeah, I just really enjoyed this movie. And I, I liked the movie so much. I actually, 
even went and saw it twice. I was really excited <laughs> to go back and rewatch the movie. So. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you went back to the theaters? That was a really that was a really good day. I I I I woke up super hungover that day. Like <laughs> beyond hungover and drove to the movie theater at ten AM and saw Detective Pikachu trying not to throw up in in a theater full of little kids. And then I went and hung out with Sean. Reeking of alcohol. And then I went and hung out and then I went and hung out with Sean and Kelly just sitting by a lake for hours and then we got some food and Sean was just like, hey, you guys want to go see this movie I already saw? And it was like, man, it must be good if you're willing to go see it again. So, yeah, we went yeah, and saw it again. Rare. When was the last time you did that, Sean? Um, I actually just did it with uh, John Wick. I saw it. I saw that twice, two times in a row, I think back-to-back weeks. <laughs> what? what is happening? Hey, AMC... AMC yeah, yeah. Stubbs A list, man. You got that's true. You got the A list. Yeah. I mean, right, oh wait, I so I never, it. I never actually realized that rule that differs from Movie Pass is you can see the same movie as much as you want, right? Right, as many that's times as you cool. want. Yeah. yeah. As long mm-hmm. as it's only, you can only go to movies three times a week, but it can right, be, right, right. it can be any movie. Nice. So, well, sweet, man. I really wish I got to see this movie because. It seems like it's right up my alley, but um, I'll definitely check it out in the future. But I'm curious. So uh, Jonathan Levine, I remember like years ago, came out with Fifty Fifty, mm-hmm. which is another Seth Rogen. Um, so good. Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah, 50-50 is great. And it's one of my favorite Seth Rogen movies, even though he's not he's not really the star, but... Um, he's really good thought, at that. Yeah, he's he's really really great in it, and that movie's really fascinating because it balances the comedy and like the really heavy drama so effectively. And I feel like this story, um, and especially listening to you talk about how like they brought out everything comes in like a very organic way, like the relationship and stuff. I'm curious how well. Or did they, in this movie, did they go in that, like, it feels like it's a story that could have, like, uh, like a more serious, like, aspect to it. Like, there's the romantic comedy, but there's also mm-hmm. the note of her being, like, guessing in this world she's also the first woman president, right? Yeah. Or running for president. And so I'm just curious how they, like, that aspect of the movie, is that actually, like, a really big aspect that they took seriously um, or yeah i mean the movie uh 50 50 is is pretty a pretty serious film that deals with cancer um but i would say this movie definitely does um take itself seriously in a lot of parts uh it i feel like it kind of goes out as out of its way to do a more mm. realistic portrayal mm. of politics and Oh, um, gotcha. I, I feel like it, uh, you know, it's it's still kind of a romantic comedy that's dealing with this stuff, so it's not super in depth. But it, I, yeah, I think it does a really good job of that, and it deals a lot with like um, women in politics, especially. And um, see, Sean, like I, I kind of felt like this movie, um, at times, the their relationship took a backseat to what her what she was doing as part of her job. You know, I thought this movie actually had um, a fair amount of, you know, a fair amount of insight to what it takes to be a 
political person trying to make everyone happy and make agreements. Like, I mean, it was a lot of it was very surface level because it was a silly comedy, but it also you could see how people eventually compromise their values to advance their careers. Um, And I I thought that was like I thought that was the main plot of the movie. And oftentimes the their relationship just kind of was there as 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 part of as part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they do a pretty good job of, um, uh, dealing with the serious kind of more serious notes of politics and it does a really good job of showing right. Charlize Theron's character, uh, how she's dealing right. with politics as a, as a woman. So for me, this is like what I thought the movie did best in was finding a really unique situation for these comedic events to play mm-hmm. out in. I mean, there's so many comedies, so many that are just like a straightforward setting, just some people hanging out and going through some drama. But they put this movie on the backdrop of this whole kind of like um, attempting to or this whole election cycle and within like all this kind of deep politics. And it just made it so much more fascinating to watch and to go from location to location and scene mm-hmm. to scene with not only their like love for each other building, but also like watching this pretty great like campaign story play out. Um, not many comedies like take a story that's that big and roll with that. And I thought that was a really smart move mm-hmm, for this movie. For sure. It kind of almost reminded me of uh, of uh, Parks and Rec season five. A little bit with uh yeah i mean uh i felt like a lot of it like i said before i felt like you know it was it was surface level surface level insight but there was still a lot to be taken away from it like i would recommend this movie to almost anyone that that like pays attention to politics and stuff just that follows election stuff and mm. there, there are a few moments where that are just so hilarious like so i mean real quick like seth rogan's mm. character is like he he sticks to his values like very heavy minded and um there's a part where he like there's a part where he finds out that his best friend is a republican and he like freaks out and it's mm-hmm. like just that type of i i thought i just thought both characters were so believable that it was like i don't know i just feel like man, these two are are best friends and they don't even realize that they're on the other end of the political spectrum. And it was like, I don't know. I just feel like that type of insight can be, can be taken. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people could take a page, could take a hint from that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and to add to that, like, um, I, I think in the entire movie, they never really talk about, um, you know, Democrat versus Republican, except for between those two characters in that one scene. You, they never really um, say that whether or not Charlie Theron is a Democrat or a Republican or or the um, the actual the president that she's working for, whether or not he's Democrat Republican, and um, so it kind of takes this kind of ambiguous middle ground um, into politics, and I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, kind of making more broad statements about politics rather than, um, you know, take, taking a, an easy jab at, at one side or the other. So that was something I really appreciated about the movie. May I, may I poke a little bit at the end? Um, so with all this sure. like cleverness and the setup with the politics, I kind of 
wish they hadn't have taken the easy route with the conclusion of their both their character arcs. Um, I thought his was set mm-hmm. up way too bluntly and way too easy at the very beginning of the film. And, uh, and his clash with her was just like so obviously coming for so long. And they kind of just, they kind of like collided at the end in just like the kind of most basic way, just like two extreme ends of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still, I thought this movie though, um, I want to go back a little bit to what Sean, Sean made a point during his first part about how there wasn't like artificial drama. And that was one thing that I really appreciate about this movie. And sure, like they had a character arc that you could see coming from a mile away in a silly comedy, you know, but but mm. I really think that there is something to the fact that they didn't add it they didn't add any silly, unnecessary drama to that. Like, like Seth Rogen didn't get jealous and say something stupid. You know, he, uh, he didn't, um, Mm -hmm. he didn't pick a fight for no reason. You know, they, they had a conflict that was very true to both their characters coming from the very beginning of the movie. Like the movie is set up a certain way and they have so much chemistry. They get along so well, but there is a fundamental difference in them. And that's going to come to head at some point. And it finally, it finally does. And they have to address it like adults and they have to deal with it as adults would. And, you know, spoiler, 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 it works out for them, but like we're watching a comedy. Like, I don't know. I wanted to see them together. Like I didn't want, I didn't want to see them break up. Okay, so let's move on to the next thing. Guys, we have a voicemail review coming in from L.A. Carlos Madrid has sent in a voicemail review. So we're going to play that now. And um, let's see what he's got to say for himself. Hey, what's up, Monthly Movie Dispatch? Calling in today to talk about Brightburn. Uh, it is a film that just came out this Memorial Day weekend. I actually saw it on Monday. It is directed by uh, David Yaroveski. Had to check out my notes here. Uh, and it's produced by James Gunn and it stars Elizabeth Banks as basically the mother of Bizarro Superman. Uh, it's an origin story for Bizarro Superman, and um, it's kind of spooky. Uh, it has this uh, scary kid that uh, is kind of trying to figure out its place in society, and then all of a sudden it becomes invincible and starts destroying stuff and trying to figure out what it actually is. Um, I had a lot of fun. I um, don't think it's the greatest movie ever made. Uh, I think there is a better story behind a movie that could have been a little bit more polished. Uh, But overall, uh, I think uh, it is a very fun experience. If you want to go check it out and if you like uh, spooky movies, this is right up your alley. Uh, I do believe it has better aesthetics than The Avengers. So there you go. All right, guys. uh, Thank you so much. And I'll maybe call in next time. I like that word spooky. Mm. Spooky. Um, what, what was the last thing he said? He about, said it better um, aesthetics than the Avengers. Aesthetics. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Carlos, yeah. Is, Carlos is not a fan of the Avengers movies. I mean, yeah, the Marvel isn't known for aesthetics, that's for sure. Besides one or two hits. 
well. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that it was about Bizarro. <laughs> is that just like yeah. not actually canon or is that actually it's the, that character? I don't no. know. It's definitely not. It's <laughs> not yeah, a okay. Warner Brothers movie at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's that just taking so concepts cool of that type of Bizarro. story. Yeah. Got it, got I'd it. I'd love okay. to see a Bizarro origin I like that story. he kept calling it Bizarro. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for this, and it was just the loudest. Like, every five seconds would be quiet, then you just hear... <laughs> and then it would go quiet again five seconds later, just the audio would just smash you over the head of some like crazy shit of him flying through a house or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely got my attention. I'm really, I've actually, I'm actually really excited for this movie. I really wanted to see it. I just didn't get around to it. It, it's, it is, it's getting very mixed reviews and I, I keep hearing like, it's, it's like what you would expect. Like if, a if, a if in, in a, in a Superman gone evil origin story, it's like what you would expect. But I mean, I think Carlos is onto something where like, that's a pretty interesting idea, you know? And it, I mean, it's too bad if the movie sucks, but it's a pretty interesting idea. Like there's a bunch of comics about the same thing. You know, the probably one of the most famous ones is, uh, under the red sun. That's not what it's called, mm. but, uh, it's like if Superman had landed in Russia instead of the United States and what he would be like instead. So, I mean, <laughs> You know, there there's a lot there, um, and I'm I'm super interested in this movie. I just you know didn't get a chance to see it yet. What really yeah. sold me on this movie was the first trailer, because <laughs> they ripped off the font and all the visuals of the Man of Steel trailer. <laughs> like it's the exact font. It's like him, you know, like wearing a cape in like laundry and like different like those those like uh really creative shots that they put in the man of steel trailer they kind of got yeah, everyone hyped up. great yeah. yeah they kind of did a similar thing except for <laughs> he starts killing people at the end that's so funny <laughs> yeah i never ended up seeing the trailer no who who directed it does anyone know real quick he said anyone interesting yeah he's uh he's just he's not really anyone <laughs> okay. he's james well, he gunn's uh, buddy yeah, he's one of James Gunn's friends. He's like plays Ravagers in Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, mm. I think he's directed another really low budget horror movie. Maybe we'll save this for Horror Movie Month. Yeah. So yeah, um, that was uh, Brightburn. It's in theaters still. It just came out. So um, you know, if you're into a good horror movie, it sounds like sounds like this could be like a mix of superhero and horror um, to maybe mixed results. So. Uh, Brandon, do you want to introduce yeah. your movie? All right. So the movie I saw um, was Under the Silver Lake. Come on in. I saw you spying on me earlier. No, I wasn't. Okay. See you tomorrow. Who moves out in the middle of the night? Nothing strange about it. She wanted to leave. How does that not make sense? I don't understand why she didn't tell me. Maybe she didn't like you. Maybe she knows you're poor and haven't paid your rent. I found some kind of code or like secret message in her apartment. It means to stay quiet. 
Our world is filled with codes, subliminal messages, from Silver Lake to the Hollywood Hills. Could any of this be connected to Sarah? I know this girl. So this film is directed by David Robert Mitchell, uh, who directed his debut film, It Follows, which all of us, I think... It's not totally true. It's not his debut film. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, which his um, his break, uh, the myth of the American this. sleepover, I think, is what it's called. His breakout film that we all saw, it follows. I think we all really loved. So this is his much anticipated follow up. The synopsis on IMDb goes: Sam, intelligent but without purpose, finds a mysterious woman swimming in his apartment's pool one night. The next morning, she disappears. Sam sets off across L.A. to find her, and along the way, he uncovers a conspiracy far more bizarre. So this is a very simple explanation, but uh, this movie is crazy, guys. Um, And I know it sounds like, Nick, you've, of course, seen it. That's why you're laughing. But uh, Derek and Sean, you guys haven't seen this yet, right? No, I have not. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was going to mention the release cycle for this. Um, So I think it debuted in uh, Sundance uh, early in 2018 Mm -hmm. and um, got a lot of weird, crazy mixed buzz. And they scheduled, they pushed off the release until the, towards the end of the year. Um, in 2018, then as it got closer to that, they didn't want to compete with the award season because they were worried about it, and A24 buried it until 2019. So over a full year, well over a full year after it debuted, there it's were there's some rumors that maybe they did some recuts of it because it was hmm. it's very long. You know, it's like almost two and a half hours, and so I think there were some rumors that they were re-editing it, but it still is like almost two and a half hours. So I don't know yeah. if they really did any re-editing. And because it still is pretty bizarre. It's bizarre. All right. So this guys, this movie is a lot like he, (laughs) uh, David Robert Mitchell has got ideas and he put every single one of them in this film. Um, and it is, it is in depth. It's a mess, but it's full of energy and, (laughs) and full of life. Um, I, I, I can see, like, it's super daunting while you're watching it. Like, at parts, it feels like a chore. And then in the next scene, it's, like, awe-inspiring. And you're just trying to grasp onto what he's doing as this, like, epic L.A. noir story unfolds. Um, but for me, it, like, really came together in one of the final scenes that just, like, honestly made me, like, really tear up. And it, like recontextualizes everything you've been watching in such a creative way and kind of just makes you want to like stay in the theater and just rewatch it from the beginning to like get that new light on everything you've been, you've been seeing up until that point, two and a half hours in. Um, so it's a wild ride and I just respect the hell out of the movie for that reason. Um, it's far from perfect. I think honestly, one of the biggest things it suffers from is there's just so many scenes and he's just doing so much with all these different characters and locations and how long the film is. And you probably cut a lot out even with how long it is that it probably suffers from a lot of like budgetary like restrictions on what he was actually able to put together for some of these. Like you can kind of see the seams at moments when he's taking some of these concepts pretty far. Um, I don't know if you kind of noticed that, Nick, a little bit. But uh, there's some weird costumes, some weird set designs at parts where you're kind of like, uh, did he really want it to look like that? Um, and 
yeah i don't know i can't wait for you guys to watch this because this is a love it or hate it all or nothing kind of movie yeah <laughs> I, I i loved that that simple description of this movie because it's like anything other than descriptive than than, than simple um yeah yeah i mean i i thoroughly enjoyed this movie and um i can't wait to rewatch it um it reminded me of um a classic film noir in a lot of ways you know a lot of uh film noirs have too many characters uh confusing plots that are hard to keep up with and threads in stories that you aren't sure if you're supposed to pay attention to them and keep track of them or not um that's kind of how this is. Um, it's also kind of like inherent vice where it's, um, a lot of drug use, not as much drug use as inherent vice, but there is drug use. And there's like, there's certainly beautiful stylized cinematography. And, um, but it's got this whole like surrealistic worldview where, um, you kind of aren't sure what's real or not. I mean, with Inherent yeah. Vice, at least you have like this this reason for for why things aren't real. Like I don't know if you guys we haven't really talked about Inherent Vice that much, but there's I I just rewatched it and there's like there's there's characters in Inher- Inherent Vice that might just not exist because of his drug use. But hmm. I don't think with this movie you have that as an excuse. But still, it's kind of like you aren't sure what's if all of it really happens you know and you know um i don't think it's a spoiler to say that this movie's about conspiracies a little bit i shouldn't say a little bit it's about conspiracies <laughs> and um full on. full on and conspiracies are often very fun in movies um and for me at least not as much fun in real life um because sometimes people take conspiracies too seriously but um, as a fictional device, they can be very fun, and that's what I really liked about this movie was that was that they they had a lot of fun with the conspiracies, and they didn't at all try to make you believe that this is really how the world is. Like, the movie wasn't trying to convince you, like, hey, there are conspiracies everywhere. It was like, it was just a movie having fun with these crazy concepts, and. Um, I thought sometimes the vibe was very silly in this sort of way. And I thought the, you know, the main character, Andrew Garfield's character was, was kind of dumb. You know I mean? He was smart. I mean, because he was figuring these things out, but also like, you know, he, he couldn't pay his rent, you know? And instead of trying to find a job, he was trying to figure out these conspiracies, you know? So like, <laughs> you know, he's not like the smartest guy. Um, yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of specific scenes where you're supposed to just see how like dumb as shit he is. Um, right. Like outside of the reservoir at night when he walks by that homeless person. Yeah. And different, like very explicit scenes like that. Yeah. So, I mean, but still, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I'll, I, um, I'm, excited to buy it on blu-ray when it comes out because i want to watch it again i'm still kind of angry with a 24 for not releasing it in theaters like (laughs) straight never came to seattle and i would have loved to have seen this in theaters um i don't know if i should say this on record but i mean i i i downloaded it illegally because i didn't want to um rent it 
I didn't want to rent it online. So I downloaded it illegally thinking if I like this enough, then I'll buy it. And um, I'm going to stick to A24 by buying their movie when it comes out on Blu-ray. Um, but, you know, it really it really re- reminded me of, um, you know, like like cult, cult classics. Like it kind of reminded me of Dying Darko, not in plot, but in in the fact that it found its audience later on. And I, I'm still not sure why A24 buried it because I think that I think that it'll find its audience, or at least if it came out twenty years ago, it would it would have found its audience. I'm not sure how movies find audiences anymore. But um I I I think this is a movie that eventually people will find and pick up and become like kind of obsessed with. At least I'm hoping so. All right. Um, well, so I, I guess like for me, it's uh, it seems like David uh, David Mitchell's movies is he's always exploring in these really interesting ways, um, different aspects of these classic American genres uh, in a very modern and interesting way. Um, <clears throat> like uh, it follows, uh, you know, really looking at the slasher film. Um, and I was wondering, does this movie kind of do the same thing? It, uh, as a clever exploration of the film noir genre um, uh, and, and like how does it what are the intra, like kind of interesting takes on that that he has Nick you're the film noir guy but yeah. I'll take a guess that he makes it way more epic um, I don't know maybe that's not true it's 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 longer than a lot of noirs but like <laughs> I said like I think I think this is it's a very clear example of a neo-noir you know, it's a it's a new it's like a new age take on a classic formula and it has a lot of themes that are popular today and back in the day. And I think it uses a lot of techniques. I mean, I, I, I think it actually is very similar to It Follows in that kind of way where it's it, it's taking what like what did It Follows do? It, it was a slasher movie. It was also a monster movie, but mm-hmm. it it could have taken place in any decade, and it played off the cliches to make things bigger, right? Mm-hmm. And I I think I think this movie does a lot of the same things with noir. Um, I kind of wonder how popular noir really is anymore. I mean, it's 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 a it's kind of a dead genre that only like filmmakers bring up every five years or so like there's a new noir every once every five years and this this is kind of that one for me mm-hmm. um so i think yeah i think it it's very much a neo-noir i definitely like after it follows he's the kind of director i'll probably like just see all of his movies just because uh i love that movie so much you'll so, follow to the uh, ends of the world i will um so I'm just curious, like, it sounds like It Follows is probably a more cohesive, you know, just well-put-together kind of production altogether. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, like, where w- like, where does his trajectory kind of sit after this? Like, is it the kind of creative craziness that you, like, are really excited where it's going? Or is it the kind of mess mm. that you're worried about? Where like what's I think coming maybe, next? That's funny. I think maybe the latter. I think he's he's hanging by like a string. 
here, yeah. and I, I really worry. Um, <laughs> but he has enough talent to where he, to me, he made it entertaining and fascinating. But um, uh, I, I would rather him uh, contain himself a little bit more and, uh, yeah, really something, again, like it follows in a different genre. But I don't, yeah, that's a yeah, good question. I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't really know how a director you know, goes from project to project, you know, like especially someone at his level who's, I mean, he did that sleep American sleepover movie that none of us have seen. And then he did, it follows. And then he did this one. And this one certainly feels like a movie where he had free reign and he did everything and anything he wanted to, and maybe to mixed results, but, um, still, um, a lot of creativity, you know, and the fact that a 24 is burying it, you know, doesn't bode well for whatever his next project is. But I certainly think he has enough talent to go anywhere he wants to go, but whether or not they'll let him is where I'm like, you know, let's see. I'm, I'm, I am, I'm very curious. I'm very, I'll be excited about whatever his next movie is. But I'm I'm curious because, you know, I don't know how a director chooses or if he has much of a choice, you know, so we'll see. I think the last thing I just want to say uh, to wrap it up is I feel like you, uh, Derek and Sean and everybody else, when you go see this movie, go see it with somebody else or multiple people and people you can talk with. Um, because you can almost talk about this movie like over dinner afterwards for as long as the movie took to watch it. And you'll learn half of the shit from the other person, the other person will learn half the shit from you because there's so much to pick up on and you'll piece it together afterwards. Um, and then, yeah, I got a lot out of that and I think it helped me a lot. It's good advice. All right. So who's ready for a little game? Okay. So we're going to have a little game here. It's going to be quick. Um, it's just a, f- a fun thing um, because I, you know, because I said at the beginning, I saw all three of these movies. I thought they were all great. And instead of picking a movie that you guys already picked or, or, um, you know, Detective Pikachu or something that I didn't really care for. I mean, Detective Pikachu was good. It was good. It just wasn't great. But that almost makes it one of the best video game movies of all time. I'm rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> the game, the game is what's better. Okay, so I'm going to say two things, either or, you know, this or this. And you guys have to have gut reactions and brief discussions, arguments about which one is better. So, I mean, we're going to do about 60 seconds per question. You know, it's not it's going to be a quick thing, but I've got some questions ahead of time. Is there an order of response? Like, are we just yelling out? Whatever. Bam. I think you it should just it. be gut, just to say it, and then, you know, I mean, you know, we're on a podcast, just, you know, talking over each other isn't ideal, yelling yeah. isn't ideal, but also, <laughs> you know, get your opinion there. So, there. um... Let's do it. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Keanu Reeves or Tom Cruise? Um, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise just has a better filmography. I hate to say it, but Tom Cruise. I Shit. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I think that Tom Cruise <laughs> just has the acting chops uh, with like Born on the Fourth of July and Vanilla Sky. Oh, and, shit. Vanilla Sky. Um, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> 
that one. He's got the acting chops. I think he takes the yeah. I think he takes the stunt stuff a little bit further. I think he goes to further lengths to entertain us. And I think he probably has more movies that I openly just love. Constantine, Scanner Darkly. Yeah, but you don't <laughs> go to those movies for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I agree. Okay, Tom Cruise. Okay. Over. Wow. Vanilla Sky is a but honestly, movie. like in any other like conversation, like Keanu Reeves for sure. It's like wow. <laughs> oh, what's the what's the big movie from the director Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick? Uh, Eyes yeah. Wide Shut, right? Minority yeah. Report. Yeah. I'm fucking Minority Report. God damn, he wins. <laughs> okay, so uni- unanimous. Tom Cruise. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. This one's the Steven Spielberg 1994 challenge: Schindler's List or Jurassic Park? Schindler's List. Jurassic Rock. Park. Jurassic Park. Oh! <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Shin's List. It's just, it's just it like is. the best fucking movie ever made. <laughs> and it's just like it's, it's really rewatchable and it's uh, super entertaining. Uh, as weird it as is. that is to say mm. about, a I probably movie. forgot that he it actually is, like but you're right. It's really well paced and actually a satisfying fulfilling entertainment <laughs> drama movies. god and you guys get mad at me for showing you loveless yeah but yeah. but <laughs> i mean i think schindler's list is like a pillar mm-hmm. of his career and it's part of like what what defines him as a filmmaker is that everything he makes is super watchable yeah. and uh i guess that's the difference between like loveless and Schindler's List is is very accessible, regardless of its topic. Um, okay, um, here's next question: um, Avengers Endgame or the Game of Thrones ending? <laughs> Avengers, Avengers Endgame. Endgame. What? <laughs> Infinitely. You know, Avengers Endgame actually proves <laughs> proves that the Game of Thrones ending isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I was literally thinking about this when Game of Thrones was ending. I was like, this, like, this is tough. Like these writers have a lot to work, like to wrap up. And it's like how it's impossible to do this. And then I think Avengers in game. I'm like, well, I guess it's not impossible. They like, did it. They did it. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. okay. This one's a little different because it's future projecting, but, oh. mm. um, so which one do you think is going to be better? Or I guess which one you're more excited for, but which one do you think is going to be better? Danny Boyle's new film Yesterday or Jim Jarmusch's new film The Dead Don't Die? Mm, yesterday. Having Wait, what? The Dead Don't What? It's a zombie die. movie, right? Oh, The Dead Don't Die. I don't know anything about The Dead Don't <laughs> Die. I haven't seen a trailer. I don't know that. enough about Jim Jarmusch. I don't think I've ever seen any of his movies. Oh. Um, but that movie looks way more fascinating. Jim Jarmusch is one of the best directors out there right now. Yeah. And Danny Boyle has lost his marbles with this <laughs> new film. So I'm going to go with the, <laughs> the dead don't die. I'm He's preemptively it, assuming he lost his marbles. I'm yeah. pretty. Jim Jarmusch has become one of my favorite directors in the last few years. Like he's just amazing, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really excited I'm for both excited these movies. For so, um, Wait, so we, I don't get it, guys. I think Two it was all dead, don't they? Okay. I thought it was. I thought that movie looked like a 
looked ridiculous. Yeah. You, it rains yesterday. And I'm here over when we were texting about it. And now you guys are all saying you're really excited. Yeah, dude, it looks ridiculous. Okay. Okay, here we go. Um, here, here's another one. Okay, we got, we got the sequel coming up soon. Buzz Lightyear or Woody? Buzz Lightyear. Woody. Woody. Buzz Lightyear is just, just fun. <laughs> He's just a fun character to be around. Woody's always kind of a downer. Like Buzz Lightyear is always just like he's got this upbeat attitude. He I think does Buzz Lightyear even have a character done. arc, yeah, or is he Woody's just an amazing person from beginning to end? Character. Well, Buzz realizes that he's a toy, and then has to like have an existential like crisis. And <laughs> his arc <laughs> is that he's just a toy. Yeah, he kind of turns into a MacGuffin in a mm-hmm. lot of the movies. I feel like too. Like, wasn't Toy Story 3, like, his big arc is that, like, he was stuck in Spanish or yeah. something like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is why Woody's yeah. better, Sean. Woody actually, like, is an interesting character. Yeah, I mean, I guess Woody is a better character, but Buzz yeah. okay. is a better, like, conscious entity. Okay, final question. Final question. Seth Rogen or Jonah Hill? Ooh. Jonah Hill. Oh, no. I'm going to go with um, Seth Rogen. Oh, but I'm thinking about directing, too. I'd go with Jonah oh. Hill, I think. Sure. Seth has He's written a lot a more, right? Actor, but He's written a lot of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Do we have to include writing, Nick? You can frame it however you want. want. This is your gut. Okay, your movies, gut Jonah Hill, but I think, like, entire contribution... <laughs> to filmography, I think Seth Rogen. But I think he's already carved up like a era of movies that you can kind of attribute to, like post Apatow, <laughs> uh, like Seth Rogen movies that he really ushered forward with his uh, fame and his, you know, his just like just constantly writing and producing movies. Uh, Jonah Hill's much more been kind of riding along, like just being a great actor and a bunch of cool stuff. And, but he's also a lot younger, I think. Okay. Well, I that's, mean, it. That's, for, that's it for the game. Um, that was uh, What's Better um, with with the monthly movie Dispatch. And um, thanks for playing, game. guys. That was, that was a good uh, first, first time on that one. Yeah. It was actually works. really fun. Okay, so uh, d- let's move on to Derek's movie choice. Oh, I chose bad. John Wick Chapter so 3. Parabellum. 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 You have no idea what's coming. Mr. Wick broke the rules. I trust you understand the repercussions if he survives. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Nice suit. Good to see you too. I need your help. After this, we are less than even. So, uh, John Wick Chapter 3 picks up... Well, it's like minutes no it's with they give him it they give him an hour head start whatever right so we're I mean, within that yeah. hour is yeah. where this movie picks up and i think if i heard right in this movie 
this whole franchise so far has taken place in like a couple days, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We're like still in the week yeah. Yeah. of the first one. Um, so just the storytelling of this franchise is so fascinating to me. I think it's it's like the second biggest draw to these movies for me. Like, I just love this weird lore that they're building for no real reason other to just, other than to just keep it really interesting. And, um, it's not like it's incredibly well done lore. It's just really fascinating with, uh, as a backdrop to these crazy, uh, action scenes we get from these movies. So I think this movie did, what it did really well is it delivered on what you want from a John Wick movie, which is just awesome action scenes, really well choreographed, really well choreographed gunplay, and um, just like kind of nonstop, you know, uh, like kung fu with bullets kind of thing gun fu gun gun fu yeah and i actually think this movie probably had less guns than than the other mm. two it actually didn't have that many guns now yeah i mean i had i don't i don't know if the other scenes had or Lots the other ones swords. actually had yeah yeah a, a non-gun gun fight scene yeah i don't know i mean is it too early to say spoilers i don't know how much is really spoilery in this movie no spoilers yet i think we shall go over our initial thoughts before we do spoilers okay what i really liked about it was yeah the action scenes delivered i thought this movie was funnier than the other ones specifically the uh i really really love the the big bad in this movie the uh the zero i think his name was mark DeCascos is the actor Mm -hmm. bald guy yeah, yeah. Like, the, the one he has the big showdown with. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy, like, stole the movie for me. I loved, like... <laughs> I love the concept of a villain who's just, like, a fan of, like, <laughs> the main character. That just kept killing me every time they, like jumped back into that mindset of him just admiring John mm-hmm. Witt. It's just so funny to me. I think they were talking and, about that on the Slash film cast about how... Um, how it's like he, that character represents like toxic fandom. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I love, I love you so much, but you have to acknowledge how great I am too. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, fun fact, I like that guy looks so familiar to me. I looked it up and he's the host of iron chef. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, where, <laughs> that's where I recognize no. him from. Yeah. Well, he's also in, isn't he in, uh, like, The Brotherhood of the Wolf? Or yeah, he was like in a bunch of martial yeah. arts movies for years and years and years. And then he mm-hmm. somehow got that gig on Iron Chef. But mm-hmm. uh, maybe really loves cooking. He does cook in this movie, too. So, mm-hmm. um, And then also what really um, reminded me of, like, the energy that this movie brings. And, like, uh, I think a good, a reason why it kind of hits a note with fans and people really admire it is uh Keanu's dedication to doing at least like the the medium shot like uh hand fighting scenes is very clear for most of them that Keanu was doing the fighting himself with these like uh, crazy martial artists and mm-hmm. that 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 just like I don't know that just makes it 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 just connects so much stronger when you see someone like really putting in that, you know, that extra effort to really sell it to the fans. And I just, I really, 
like I really admire that about him. I'm not sure. I mean, you can kind of tell when they're like trying to hide his face if it's like a stunt man and stuff. But uh, there was a lot of them where it's very clearly Keanu do, doing all these fight scenes. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was really cool. Um, also, fun fact that I just found out when I was looking this up. It's kind of a weird thing, but almost almost every main actor in this movie is over 50. No way. Yeah. Hmm. Keanu Reeves, Halle Berry, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne, Ian McShane, Angelica Houston, uh, Lance Reddick, Mark DeCascos. These are all the main wow. cast members of this movie. That's They're really all surprising. over 50. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I Except knew that. that Orange is the new black girl. Yeah. Oh, is that where she's from? Yeah, the adjudicator. Oh, yeah, she, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was the one, the lone young youngin. But how old are those guys from uh, the raid? They're both the over fifty. Guys. Oh wow! Holy yeah, shit. they're crazy. But um, oh yeah, and those guys were a highlight in this movie too. Yeah, for sure. They're always so just awesome. great. Yeah. I like early on in the movie. I saw like the side of one of their faces, and I'm like, <gasps> yes. Yeah. <laughs> There are yeah they're they're just so freaking talented at uh, what they do it's yeah. insane yeah but. that's like that's definitely wish fulfillment having those two guys for sure fight Keanu Reeves <laughs> oh, the guys so from cool. Star Wars they are in Star Wars uh, too yeah. but they don't really oh, do anything wow. in there <laughs> <laughs> so but, yeah. um, so Sean you saw this movie in a unique format yeah. <laughs> Has, has anyone seen a four, 40x movie? No. I think you guys have. Never. You guys you guys know, Avoided you know it. the rundown? You, you've, oh, yeah. Uh, you've had the rundown on it? Don't they like okay. spray water in your face yeah, and so, pump out like, shots so and shake it's your chair? It's the ultimate uh, movie-going experience where the uh, you guys can't see me, but I'm waving my hands up and down. Uh, but like the seats are waving up and down and going crazy almost like a... Like a motion control ride. Are there seatbelts? Like, no, there's no seatbelts. <laughs> there's uh, <clears throat> there's there's wind. Like you get gusts of wind coming through. You can get rain. Cool. Rain. rain? Uh, yeah, like you'll get what? sprinkly <laughs> rain drops on your head that feel like rain. <laughs> um, so you good. get water sprayed in your face. Oh, cool. Um, this movie didn't have it, but um, you get it has smells. Um, <laughs> You can smell a vision. And like the thing that they love to use in this movie the most was like the chair will, will give you a kin- kidney shot. <laughs> It'll give you a kidney shot every once in a while and smack you on the back. And uh, just cut you in the stomach. Yeah. Um, oh, what else? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, the, it has like these little little uh, air air puffers right behind your head that spray you in the back of the that like puff you in the back of the ear. When that guy stabs John Wick in the shoulder, a yeah. knife lowers oh, I down it. from the I seat and goes <laughs> into <laughs> your shoulder. Yeah. You I mean, that's what they're real. going for. <laughs> like, you see John Wick get stabbed, and you're like, oh, no, someone's stabbing me. Oh, no, that's it's just the theater. That's just the chair. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So it's um, final. It's what's your dumb. analysis though? <laughs> it's, okay, it's dumb. Uh, super dumb. <laughs> um, like some of the people I went with were getting like motion sickness. It's like that. Like they definitely move a lot. So but it's, it's, like, it's physical it's so motion gratuitous. sickness though. Yeah, it's not like, it's like Cloverfield motion sickness. Yeah, no, it's, it's like you're it's actually because moving. you're being rocked back and forth, and it's so gratuitous. Like just any kind of like slowly moving shot, the chairs will slowly like for no reason in no direction in particular, just start <laughs> waving around like you're floating or something. And it's, just, yeah, it's, hmm. it's so dumb. So um, I'm sure you used a list, but how much no, was this normally See, That's be? the no, thing. It's, it's, yeah, it's regal. regal. You paid for this. I paid for it. <laughs> how much? I went with a bunch of friends. It was, I think it was like $22. It wasn't, Oh, so cheap. It wasn't any more than like a, <laughs> yeah, like IMAX 3d or something. <laughs> That's like ten dollars cheaper than the RTX but, here in New York. Oh yeah, but this uh, it wasn't in three. Um, John Wick wasn't in three D. I don't. It's probably just that this movie is never available in three D. Uh, but I, I assume they do three D movies on that screen as well. So God, yeah. I'm getting motion yeah. sickness just thinking yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah, um, it's pretty bad. Uh, I mean. For a really bad movie, I and if you're curious um, and you don't mind paying a little bit of money, like, sure, um, go how, check it out. It was pretty funny. How wet were you? At the end of this <laughs> Not movie? that wet, but that was a, that was another weird thing. It's like so the rain would come and it would drop on you and you and it would like kind of startle you and you'd be like, oh <laughs> shit, it's raining again. God damn it! And then but then it would like stop. Mm-hmm. Like after a second of of feeling the rain on you, oh, right. uh, and Even then the like it would still, still be raining in the scene, and so it's like almost double distracting. And yeah, <laughs> then it's just like what's leaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't recommend it. <laughs> uh, nice. But yeah, John Wick. Um, so you, you you talked about uh, the. <clears throat> I talked a little bit about the expanding of the lore, um, but the, the the thing I really love about this movie is that, like, and it <clears throat> they did this in the second movie. They didn't really do this so much in the first movie, uh, but like definitely the second movie and especially this movie, it like it, it's expanding this lore, but it never really explains to you what the lore is or what's going on at all or like what these what the high table is i think a lot of people from the first movie you just kind of assume it's like this this uh underground assassins organization um with a bunch of rules and and uh, a bunch of people involved in it um but i think in the second movie and especially in this movie it starts to become clear that that's not what's going on and um but but i love how the movie doesn't bother explaining any of that to you um and i wonder i know a lot of people have kind of had troubles with that and i wonder like what what do you think about about that um do you feel like you need more explanation or do you think that would just be a waste of time or do you think that um it's better um keeping it a mystery and better um yeah I, I think it needs to stay like thin. Like we don't, I don't know. Like as soon as you start to think about it and like talk about it, I feel like the lore kind of the concept of the lore falls 
apart pretty quickly. Um, like these are the top-notch killers in the world. Like who could have any leverage over them that they couldn't just kill and replace immediately? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, John Wick's literally invincible and like. I don't know. I just feel like the it to me. I it never it doesn't sell me on what like the adjudicator is like in this movie, kind of marching around barking orders and stuff. I never really believe that she's really in charge of anything or has any real power over anyone. But I think what's great about these movies is that you don't really need to like that's if that's what you're worried about. That's like you're not paying attention to the movie. Because it's really just like a conduit for these action scenes. And it's like giving reason for the for these guys making this movie to like do Mm -hmm. some of the most cleverly choreographed fight scenes we get to see in American cinema. And so like to to expand on the lore, I think would only take away from what we're really wanting to see, which is the action scene. So I, I would hate if they did that. Yeah. I mean, I think this movie has finally made John wick become kind of become complete nonsense in a way like the movie, you should in no point try to pay attention to that kind of stuff. And like you're saying, it's kind of like harking back to those like Indonesian, um, kung fu movies to where like as you said it perfectly a conduit for action and this movie i feel delivers some of the best if not the best in the trilogy for that and i think it definitely makes up for its complete nonsense of a world that they've put in basically an excuse just to have almost every living human be an assassin to murder john wick um in a really cool like costumes and settings and outfits and and dialogue. The movie like uh, gives you hints that you shouldn't care about a lot of things. For example, that all of this action and killing happens just on the streets and no one, (laughs) no one notices or seems to care. Like, I mean, either there's no cops. Well, yeah, or either they're an assassin, or the it's like it's like people are just oblivious to blood and guts flying everywhere. The movie doesn't mm. care about these things. Yeah, yeah, as you should. So I'm just gonna come out and say it. There's something else going on <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I, it's I'm definitely getting vibes where this is this movie is not a bunch of assassins going around killing people it's like gods and demons battling and like there are mystical powers at play here and there are like religious undertones um going on And, and like me and kelly both picked up on it in the second movie i don't think the first movie really um, so you think there's going to be like a fourth level on top of this once it gets to movie? I like think five the or six? high table. Oh God! <laughs> all right, I, all I'm right. loving this. I'm loving all right, this. All right. The high table. So first of all, I want to say like I don't think 
you're supposed to put all the pieces together. Right. I, I don't think that's what the movie's doing. But like from what I'm gathering, I'm getting the feeling of like the high table is like gods. And like it, it it's a it's gods um, pl- like playing with humans on Earth. And they like endow certain humans with certain powers in certain places around the Earth. Uh, and they put uh, put these seemingly arbitrary rules onto them, and they like uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm already getting a little little ahead of myself, but like I, that's the type of stuff I'm thinking. Like you've got an so idea, like, you've got an idea. Yeah, I got it's an not, idea. It's not fully developed yet, but I hear and I like, hear you. Yeah. There's a big and, metaphor so first going of all, on. people are literally disappearing, vanishing in front of your eyes in this mm-hmm. movie. There's one guy who literally gets stabbed to death in a train station and is bleeding out on the floor where while hundreds of people are walking by not noticing it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that would that would help you know, explain the uh, go into the desert part. Yeah. And keep going yeah, once definitely. you get further than you um, can't go any further. Yeah. Um, the ticket thing. I mean, so this is kind of a, a, a could be a thematic theme, but like uh, or a thing thematic thing. But he he has the rosary that he uses as a ticket, um, is kind of showing these religious undertones. When um, the when they they use they use the word deconsecrated. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a spoiler what they where they use that, but. Um, yeah, there's like a, and, and then there's like this one guy who's like above the table, and it's just I'm definitely getting. <laughs> this is not just human assassins. Okay, and also another thing, like as as Keanu Reeves is like running around the city, and like people are noticing him, and it seems like everyone is an assassin. I'm more getting vibes where. Uh, along the lines of like in the matrix when Keanu Reeves is running around and people on the streets see him and then just turn into an agent. I'm not saying that like matrix and universe and this universe are connected or anything, but like that's the, those are the types of vibes that I'm getting. And so like when people talk about how it, it, nothing is making sense anymore. I think they're just ruling out the fact that this movie is gone, has gone totally mystical and like, uh, you know, is basically we're we're talking about magic here, or divine powers of some sort. What do you guys think of that? Did I go? Did I don't go totally off the wall? I mean, you're 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 off the deep end, but I'm, I'm <laughs> loving it. You know, this, this is this is great. Um, I I don't even know where to begin. With that, I don't think there's anything to say besides yeah. like you'll prove us wrong if it happens. Uh-huh. In the next film. <laughs> or so I guess I the next film would be the, the film. Or it's yeah. just like up for your interpretation. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those things mm-hmm. where sometimes, sometimes you stretch and you read into movies and you get mm-hmm. more out of it than other people. And um, I mean, for me at least, you know, I I find the first movie the least interesting um, mm-hmm. because it's it's probably the most straightforward. You know, it's um, it takes itself very seriously, and it, it, in a lot of ways, to me, it's like a film noir. Like, it's very dark, it's nihilistic, um, but you know, it's like 
it's a guy it's it, it, it takes itself so seriously for a movie that's just about a guy who's getting revenge for these guys killing his dog you know it's like it's very the tonal seriousness and the the second one is the best for me by far because it's it's fucking gorgeous and it expands the universe and does something super interesting but like the third one is like more of the second one except it's not as beautiful um somehow it's more violent like it the action in the third one is just fucking crazy and um just, I mean, some of it's just like so shot. I mean, one of the first things that happens is John Wick kills someone by sticking a book in someone's mouth and just hammering <laughs> the book in until their face is broken by the book. And, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so right off the bat, you're like, okay, this is somehow more violent than the last one, and he's using a book as a weapon. But, um, yeah, so I mean, I that that's kind of my take on the series. But personally, I think we're in the middle of a soon to be legendary franchise like this is uh you know i feel like we're watching something special right now and um each movie has kind of done something a little bit different and um yeah and i don't see it slowing down no yeah i was kind of worried money so continuously succeeding well and i kind of was worrying that this was going to be the one where like those creative juices kind of did slow down it's like we're three movies in you know like five years in like, but the, it it just shows that they're still like just bursting with ideas and like still really excited about what they're doing, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah, um, this and um, and uh, Mission Impossible are just like yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got two bones to pick. Mm-hmm. One's really obvious, um, but the I wonder if anyone has a different take on it. Um, the bone man. <laughs> the uh, he's got the bones. desert side plot. Um, besides the creativeness of the action sequence, um, did anyone else think that was uh, nonsense and a big waste of time? Well, Brandon, let me explain this to you. What uh, what was going You've on? You've said enough. <laughs> no, I'm uh, no, I yeah, I agree. I don't. I honestly couldn't really tell you exactly what the point was. Yeah, to get him back where well, they, he started. They created a problem so that he could go out there, but the <clears throat> reason of going out there was just to solve the problem solve that the they problem. just created. Yeah, so it's like to get him into a cool action scene, yeah. <laughs> and then to come back to where he started, which concludes like kind of the first thing that popped in my head when this movie ended. I was just like, so no- nothing actually happened to John Wick from the start of this no. film to the very end, except no. for maybe one little point of progress with a adjacent character next to him. But I was, I'm pretty like disappointed with like how little things were pushed forward in the timeline and in his overall mission um, throughout these two hours compared to the other two films. Well, Um, I mean, I think this one had the least to work with in terms of plot is like the second one left us off on a cool cliffhanger We're like whoa what's gonna happen and like the answer in this movie was like he's gonna run and yeah. like and this movie and that's what it just was running. yeah <laughs> so and it ends with him well fuck. but we don't have you to, know. yeah i want to say one one non-spoiler thing <clears throat> how freaked out were you guys by the dog scene like the dog fight oh my god that so was so incredible. good <laughs> was that Holy real crap all real yeah. was it 
Well, yeah, I, I think, guess they even have like, the dog do that like two story cr- jump. No way. Oh, yeah. Off the off yeah. the back. Like I'm getting chills real. right uh, now. Like yeah. that's fucking crazy. Well, I can't. I, there's got to be. I was watching it even a second time, and I'm like, there's got to be. Um, they have to had to have like cut those scenes up. There's no way. Like I, I'm sure those were real. I. I positive those were real dogs doing yeah. those real things but they had to have cut those scenes up in in some kind of way to where you know they didn't have to rely on all these stunts taking place just between the humans right. and on top of that get two dogs to be uh-huh. like perfectly choreographed right I think you guys are over exaggerating some of it I the don't. shots weren't that long some of them were. They would. They would. Each each character it. would just do one move, and the dogs would do one move, and then it would cut. Well, one dog would do one move, and then the other dog would go do another move, and then it would cut yeah. back to Halle, Halle Berry, and she'd do a couple more moves, and then like she'd run by the dogs, and it would like that, that's insanely complicated. Insane, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I mean, maybe they, yeah, maybe maybe it's just they put in the time. They uh, they did it. But I, yeah, I mean, like the shot where she runs into the room and like the two dogs jump over the the table. That's what I. She slides under. That's what I mean. Like the choreography is so insane that it's like to me it's unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable. I didn't believe it when I was watching. I was like, my jaw was just dropped. Like, Uh, what the how. No way, <laughs> like, yeah. but but it it looks so good. Like there's yeah. there's no way it, it's not happening. But I mean, like, Brendan is probably crazy. right. It's it like probably I could see the seams, guys. Like you, the dogs would come out of like corners, all like and every time the dogs would have something to do, they'd come out from around a corner for sure. Like yeah. they weren't doing something violent and then moved on to another violent act. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like, the dogs only had one thing to do. They only had one thing to show. do, and they'd emerge yeah. from a space where they could be sitting with their trainer. Yeah. Like you could kind of see those seams. Yeah. Not to take away from anything, yeah. but like no, right. you're probably. I mean, the way it you're probably it. is like almost all of the shots were. You know the humans doing one thing and the dogs do each doing one thing. Yeah, being and let they would go cut around it. But there, I think the there were at least a couple shots that, to me, had to have been uh, some kind trickery. of trickery. Yeah, like the either the shot was broken up into a couple different um, clever swipes that that cut two shots together, or maybe even some really clever compositing. Um, where they, uh, I don't know, somehow put the dogs. Well, I, I guess that doesn't even make sense. So it was all. So like I'm guessing that's thing. Derek's favorite scene. <laughs> I mean, that was like that. Just seeing the dogs do those things was legitimately like shocking to me. I couldn't. Yeah. I could not believe that was happening. So I don't know where where that lands. I don't know if it's my favorite scene like that I like the most. It's definitely the most impressive to me though. Um, I think I think the uh I uh, yeah, I mean the knife fight to me just floored me beyond belief. Yeah, like the in the museum. Was, the knife fight was unbelievable. The knife fight in the knife museum. Yeah. Was, mm-hmm. I could not believe what I was watching. Oh yeah, that was I was like, how has no one just in an action movie decided to throw three hundred knives? Like, <laughs> unbelievable. It seems like something a kid would think of, but no yeah. one's decided to yeah. do it. Unbelievable. Yeah. That scene yeah. was just 
jaw-dropping. Well, that's, love, what, that's one of the yeah. scenes I mean. Like, that scene was very, very clearly Keanu Reeves doing all his own yeah. stunts. Because there's a lot of medium close-up, like, fighting shots there. It's a lot harder mm-hmm. to to hide a stuntman. And, like, he stepped up and, like, was, like, keeping up with those guys. I, I yeah. loved the beats and the pauses they had in that scene and in so many others where, like... There's like a pause right before a moment of horrific like brutality, <laughs> like you were saying, Nick. That's just more than they've ever done in the previous films, and like then the knife would just be thrown across the room after like a five second pause and just make the guy's head explode, or like there was like just these really clever stab uh, someone beats in is the, the best brain. way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, beats is the best way I can describe it, but it wasn't just action, action, action. It would be a, like action, action, pause. Well, I bam. think something had to do with them, like at the pace where they had to throw the knives. You know, it was like, I mean, first of all, that setup where they're brawling and then they realize where they're at and they're surrounded by knives oh. where they just both yeah. turn their backs to each other and start breaking the glass so they can <laughs> grab all the knives. But something about that process of of like. You know, you it's not like a gun where you can just, just keep firing. It's like you need to throw, 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 grab, throw, grab, throw. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a natural pace tired to tired and they're getting, like, hurt and they're slowing down. Yeah. Well, and then, oh, like, it's just beautiful. And then, like, th- some of the knives wouldn't stick in. Like, it would, like, they would throw them, but then they would, like, the the end would bounce off of them because it was, uh. you know, the, the handle part. Um that, I mean, just I think a couple times they like collided midair. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, so fucking good. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so no. oh, go ahead, Sean. I feel like I was gonna. I was gonna kind of move. On. No, go ahead. I was gonna. I was actually gonna move on from the knife scene. So well, my, something else. Okay. My, yeah. My last thing was just like I think part of what makes the action in these movies so exciting, and I think that scene really exemplifies it, is like the energy and the anger behind like little one shots. Like there's one of the guys he's pretty much defeated already laying on the ground and John Wick throws like four more knives into him yeah. like crazy yeah. fast and like yeah. really he's, like you can see the energy and the anger behind like just uh, bam, bam, bam. and then he just turns uh, to the next guy and keeps going he's not afraid like, to double tap is he no <laughs> yeah that's almost like uh, a rule of his yeah he, <laughs> yeah same with the dog fight like <laughs> She, they would like shoot them at point blank on the ground after the dog had tackled them, and then uh-huh. they'd give them like five more before they moved on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, another thing I love about this movie is how cool they make reloading. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, so yeah, like him reloading I, I feel like that shotgun. Every I feel like every oh. other movie reloading is just uh, you know something that they like that slows down the pace of the action or something. And so like so many movies, they'll just unload, you know, 30, 40 rounds out of a little six shooter, you know, revolver or something. Um, but I, I kind of, I'm sure you can find this online. I'm sure someone's, uh, someone's putting the work for it, but like I would almost go as far as to say that every shot that Keanu Reeves shoots in this movie you can you see him re- load it into his gun like they're all accounted for yeah every, every i would not be surprised if they just like committed to that and and they went with it yeah um and like the way he reloads his shotguns where he's like loading three rounds at a time and then oh it's just it's so <laughs> cool and it adds so much to these act those action sequences 
it just it keeps like the precision and the efficiency of mm-hmm. all of their killings. Yeah. Like it keeps that energy flowing because it's like, yeah. oh, he's not wasting a second. He knows mm-hmm. he's perfect at this. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like one one gun runs out of ammo, and so he has to pull out his his sidearm and and use that, and then puts that away, reloads it real quick, reloads his main weapon real quick, and ha- moves on to the next guy just in time. Mm-hmm. Like all that, it's it adds such an interesting dynamic to those, um, those gun foo scenes. Yeah, I guess you would call them. Yeah, but yeah. Um, does anyone else have any favorite? I mean, my I think scenes? overall like, my favorite scene, just because I thought it was the funnest, was the the final fight scene between the mm-hmm. the two ninja proteges and. Um, and the main ninja guy versus John Wick, like that whole mm-hmm. the glass house fight sequence, mm-hmm. yeah. it's probably just overall my favorite. It just had, um, I don't think it was necessarily the most complicated or most impressive, but it had my favorite, a lot of my favorite moments. Like I just, I brought this up earlier, but I just loved the concept of these ninja guys, like just being fans of John Wick, mm-hmm. and like they're so excited yeah. to be fighting John Wick. That, like, they don't even want to, like, beat him when he's down. They, like, pick him back up so that they can get a true fight out of him. And, uh-huh. like, this just it's such a funny and enjoyable concept. And I don't know if this is spoilers or not, but he... I like that there's almost, like, a camaraderie within them as they're fighting each other. Because I don't mm. think he actually even kills those guys. He no. doesn't... He doesn't... Yeah, he doesn't kill the raid guys. He, he, yeah. I think you're supposed to insinuate that the um, very spoilery, but the the bald guy's dead. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I think so. But yeah, the other two are definitely still alive. Yeah. And that guy just like that guy really stole the movie for me. That the main ninja dude, like he's yeah. just God. He's so funny to me. And like that. And like after the fight, he's like. There's a good fight, hunch. <laughs> like there's, it's just so funny. I don't know. I love that, and I just loved yeah. bringing ninjas into the John Wick franchise. It was just really refreshing and a fun, yeah. like supernatural uh, thing to explore. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was really funny how uh, when when the um, the judicate the adjudicator first walks up to him and he's like serving her. Uh, sushi he's speaking yeah. with a very thick japanese accent and then as soon as he realizes that she's an adjudicator he like goes away and he has a very his like very american yeah uh, <laughs> that, that was really funny yeah yeah um okay well um i think that wraps up this episode guys um i hope so so anyway uh let's all say our goodbyes um brandon what's your letterbox link uh, Beb. B-E-B. B-E-B. Uh, Derek, how, how about you? Chicken Tack. Sean? Uh, at Bulbinator. Cool, and I'm uh, Mothman23. Anything else you guys want to add? <clears throat> no. No. Cool. That's it. Well, uh, thank you so much Go for watching. Go watch some movies, guys. Yeah, keep watching. Thanks a mm-hmm. lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.